Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, February 3rd, and we're breaking down Apple's earnings release. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior tech specialist, Evan New. Evan, how you doing? Pretty good. About to go on vacation. About to go on vacation. I, I no. doubt that you could possibly be doing as well as Apple is doing this week, though. That's true. It's not too often that you see uh, the world's largest company uh, spike 6% after earnings. Yeah, I mean, those the, the numbers they put up were, I mean, I was pretty impressed. I wasn't really expecting them to, to really blow it out like this and beat their own guidance by $400 million. <laughs> Yeah, after, you know, and we always do the Apple earnings show. It's, it's one of my favorites to do. But after several in a row where we've been kind of like, huh, yeah, we know growth is slow or even declining, but just be patient. Like, we think it's, we think it's going to be okay. Um, it will be nice to do a show where we can talk about them and uh, kind of have a little bit of a rosier outlook on things and um, maybe reaffirm some of the confidence that um, the street should have in the business. Because in a lot of ways, it's still a fantastic company. Um, so why don't we start out with the big numbers here? Revenue came in at 78.3 billion, which beat estimates of 77.3 billion. Also beat the company's guidance, uh, like you said, by a couple hundred million. Earnings per share came in at three dollars and thirty-six cents for the quarter, which also beat estimates of three dollars and twenty-two cents. So for the first time since fiscal Q1 of last year, the company posted year-over-year revenue growth. Yeah, I think that's the. The, one of the big storylines is that you know 2016 it was so tough on them in terms of storylines and sentiment just because yeah first year ever of showing negative growth and just everyone's kind of gloomy about it and then then to come back and be like hey you know we can we still have it in us so we can still set records we can still push all these different parts of the business to these completely record levels including like the Mac which is crazy because I mean the, the Mac's been around for 40 years. And they're still like continuing to just you know grow it and push up, put higher. And you know they've been working against so many headwinds uh, for such a long time. You know, in, in that year, like you know, you look at the strong dollar having a pretty sizable impact on the money they make overseas and also the selling price of devices overseas. Uh, you look at the kind of elongating of the upgrade cycle, um, particularly with some of the wireless carriers moving away from a subsidy model and kind of getting people off of that two-year upgrade. And so, there are just a lot of things pushing against what uh, would normally cause people to be buying phones or what would be allowing them to recognize more in revenue and earnings uh, here in the U.S. And so, um, nice to see them bring it back up this quarter. Um, why don't we hop right into the iPhone segment? Because this is really where they're making most of their money. Yeah. I mean, they sold a record, another record, $78.3 million. Uh, which broke that, you know, because the last three consecutive quarters they've put up negative growth, so kind of putting into that trend. Uh, of course, this just creates another tougher comparison for next year, <laughs> raises the bar, you know, for a year from now. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I mean, personally, I wasn't that impressed with the iPhone 7 as like a product. Do you own it? So, no, it's the first time in eight years that I have not upgraded my phone. <laughs> I don't own the iPhone 7 either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> but it's just great. Like, like literally eight years, every year I've been upgrading every year. This is the first time I'm not because I just didn't think it was that compelling. Um, but obviously the market really does. And I think that, I think that, I mean, part of it is that the 7 Plus is really the, the hot seller this, this quarter. I mean, Apple even acknowledged that, like, they did a poor job predicting demand and they just allocated less than they should have to, to the 7 Plus. 
production. And I think a lot of it is, I mean, there's not really a killer feature in the iPhone this year. And I mean, arguably the biggest thing is the dual camera system on, that is specifically for the 7 Plus. So it does seem like a lot of people are picking that bigger phone. And I mean, that thing costs $120 extra now. So uh, you can see it in, in the numbers. I mean, they put up really, really strong results here. Yeah, and I think you really see that when you look at average selling price. You know, that grew to $695 for the most recent quarter, up from $619 for the previous quarter. And a lot of that is the 7 Plus model. And and consumers clearly voting for the better camera and being willing willing to pony up a little bit more dough for it. And or extra storage because those things shoot 4K video and you need a lot of storage to store all that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you if you put those two numbers together, the units and average selling price, you get roughly $54.4 billion in revenue. So, right now, we're looking at the iPhone segment making up about 70% of revenue for Apple for this quarter. Um, higher than it's been in the past, but not necessarily surprising because the iPhone segment was so massively popular and so successful this quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just... I, like they were so supply constrained the entire quarter too, so uh, you know it's, and they didn't they and also they didn't reach supply demand balance until January, so I mean they were they were pretty short on on inventory throughout the entire quarter and to still be able to to really hit these numbers even with constraints and you know arguably you know not a super strong feature set like I I, I was kind of blown away. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all were. Um, one of the segments that is kind of gaining more and more attention from analysts and the, and the market in general is Apple's services segment. And so this mm-hmm. is the iTunes Store, the App Store, Apple Pay, Apple Music, TV App Store, etc. Um, services this time came in at 7.2 billion, which is roughly nine percent of revenue, but perhaps more impressively, up 18 percent year over year. Uh, it seems like the company and the street, uh, they're both kind of giving this a little bit more emphasis as time goes on. Yeah, and that was a quarterly record, another one of those records that they set this quarter. Um, and if you look at it now on a trailing 12-month basis, the services has now crossed $25 billion in terms of the, the size of the business. So this is a huge business already. Um, here's the crazy thing is they're, they're very ambitiously saying that they hope to double the services business within four years. So that's saying, hey, we think we can make a $50 billion business by 2020, which is pretty <laughs> pretty ambitious. And I mean, to, as far as how they get there, they highlighted a couple things. So for, first of all, now there are 150 million paid subscriptions that are being automatically billed, you know, recurring subscriptions that includes apple's services as well as third-party services but that's kind of the total number that are being built through itunes and the app store right now and, and that's a pretty big number and you know they do expect that to continue growing uh, i mean that's you know that's a pretty big base of, of you know regular subscriptions for, of various types of services that they sell um and you know their, their transaction volumes are going up the install base is growing i mean they, there's really all these different aspects of it um, they even mentioned this is kind of surprising. They mentioned this iCloud storage business is growing quite a bit, which I would never think it'd be like a growth driver. <laughs> but you know, basically, all all these different aspects are really just putting up really good good growth. And combined, you know, they're they're, they're really bullish about this uh, going forward. And you know, it's pretty pretty ambitious goal there. Yeah, and looking at the inputs for what makes up that service's revenue, there's momentum on both sides, right? There's not only is the installed base getting larger, so the number of people that are actually somehow transacting with the services segment, 
um, they indicated in the call that that's increasing in the strong double digits. And also, the ARPU, or average revenue per user, for each paying customer is increasing in the double digits. So, it's not that one side of that equation is really crushing it, and the other one's kind of stagnating. Uh, both sides are performing well, and, and I think that's what you want to see. Yeah, and they also mentioned the, the music business, which had been declining for quite some time, for many years, uh, back you know, before Apple got into the streaming side, when it was all just kind of the download business for music. It had been kind of as people shifted to streaming, that business was shrinking, and you know now we're about back to this inflection point where music is growing again. If you include both download and streaming, so iTunes plus Apple Music, if you combine them, the the music business as a whole is now growing again, which you know that's always nice to see, particularly as the I mean the shift towards streaming continues. More and more people are willing to pay. the The industry itself really likes the shift to paid streaming versus ad ad supported stream and apple's a big you know, proponent in that transition so i mean that's also another good sign it's just they're, they're really you know helping the music industry grow as, as a whole as well as their their side of their cut of the whole music business growing again too and, and you have to like that considering they are what some people might argue was kind of a late entrant into streaming music and mm. you know you already had spotify with you know, tens of millions of people using it, um, and you might have wondered what adoption might look like for Apple Music and the streaming service, uh, but results seem to be pretty good so far. Um, another area that I think we should spend a little bit of time focusing on here is uh, some of the international results, specifically China. I know that um, four out of uh, f- Apple's five geographic operating segments set fresh highs, all but greater China, but um, <laughs> China is really... Um, kind of seen as a huge market opportunity in addition to India for Apple. You want to provide a little color on what they said in the call there? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, again, more quarterly records in terms of all the other geographical segments, which uh, is pretty, you know, again, it's just these like all these little things that are contributing to the, this overall overperformance. I mean, for example, Japan grew 20%, which Japan is not a huge market for them, but just the fact that they can still, you know, really put up meaningful growth numbers. Um, Europe was pretty pretty much flat but i mean uh greater china it's it's bounced back quite a bit sequentially in the third quarter sales were something like 8.7 or 9 billion roughly so to, to kind of really bounce back um to 16 billion it, it's shy of their all-time record which was set a year or two ago around 18 ish billion um but it, it is bouncing back on a sequential basis and i mean i think there are still lingering concerns about the smartphone market in China because it's getting really, really competitive with all these low-cost Chinese vendors just really proliferating and just really flooding the market with these cheap choices. And it's, I mean, it, you can see it that you know in their numbers that they've had a tr- you know a bit trouble in the past year as competition intensifies on the ground. But um, you know, I still think that China is a very big, promising business, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be probably a, a tough place to compete but yeah I mean, it's, it's a great market and they're still growing they still have to expand the retail footprint i mean there's still room to run yeah with lower priced entrants coming into the market you know apple's brand cachet is only going to give it so much pricing uh, power but um you know you have to think that there's still some room to run there 
Speaking of kind of their international segments, I think it might make sense to check in on their cash hoard a little bit. Um, as of their recent report, Apple is sitting on $246 billion in cash. Because they do so much business outside the US and because of certain um, current tax regulations, $230 billion of that total, or roughly 94%, is held outside the US. Um, Morgan Stanley analyst Katie Huberty asked Tim Cook on the call about what the company might be thinking with the current administration and the possibility of repatriating some of that cash. I think that that was a question that a lot of people wanted an answer to. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big things that you know the, the Trump administration is pushing is this tax reform, including a potential repatriation holiday. And if, if they could bring back a lot of that cash that, you know, there's, there's certainly a couple of things they could do with it. I mean, Cook didn't really give a lot of clear... <laughs> Guidance on what he's thinking, but I mean, you, you could a you could buy some companies, but I mean, he he keeps saying that Apple's open to really big acquisitions if it fits, if it makes sense, if all these things. But he's basically not concerned about price anymore. Um, you could buy some companies, you can invest in the U.S., you can potentially bring production back. If obviously that's another big thing that Trump is pushing. Uh, another thing I would actually like to see is strengthening the balance sheet a little bit, because the whole reason why they have the seventy plus billion dollars in debt is because the, it has always been a way to avoid the repatriation taxes. So if they can repatriate at you know, appealing rates, it might also make sense to pay down some of that debt, because that way you can avoid the interest expense and you know, just kind of strengthens your balance sheet a little bit. Not that the balance sheet is weak by any stretch of the imagination, uh, and and all nets out in the end, but um, you know. Logistically, it would be nice to kind of bring that money back, pay down some of the debt. Because you know, if this is a one-time deal that they can just bring back a ton of money, that gives them more time. Because I would expect them to keep generating ridiculous amounts of cash overseas, and then they'd want to raise more debt again. You know, to kind of be able to to tap that in the same way they've been doing. But if they could pay down that debt, that basically gives them even more time to keep doing, pursuing the same strategy. And if they're taking advantage of like a one-time tax holiday, then I think that would make sense from a you know, corporate finance standpoint. Yeah, and even with seventy billion in debt, uh, were they to repatriate a lot of that cash that's held overseas, they'd still have quite a bit to work with. Um, and I think on the call, Huberty had specifically asked about what merger and acquisition activity to expect, or if they might kind of continue to invest in original content and programming that would make the Apple ecosystem seem a little bit more appealing. Um, I think because she led with that question and, and kind of had some specific examples of where cash might go, Cook's response kind of followed along with that. But um, I was kind of hoping that we might get some color on an increase in the dividend or an update to uh, what the company was thinking with share repurchase were they to have that extra capital on hand. But um, nothing there at the moment. Cook was notoriously cagey, as always, <laughs> in his response. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he didn't really give a lot away there. Um, I, I do think that, um, you know, so they usually update their capital return program every April mm -hmm. in the spring. So next quarter, we'll get some insight. Um, they they did buy back $11 billion in shares this quarter, uh, which, you know, is partially helps juice the earnings per share number, which was another record because they're able to retire so many shares. They retired something like $62 million shares last quarter. So, you know, that, that's really highly accretive to, to earn that earnings per share figure, even though net income was actually down slightly um, relative to a year ago, um, just because, in part, because of foreign exchange headwinds, things of that nature. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do. So right now they're up to about 140, 
4-ish billion in cumulative repurchases and the current authorization is 175. So they still have plenty of room. They're in the, they only have another quarter before they update it again. Um, but I would expect them to give another update and increase it again just in a couple of months just because, I mean, this, this business just, they create so much cash that they literally just have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> so, I mean, think about how much money they've given back and the fact that they still have more money now than they've ever had before. So it's like they're trying to give this cash back at this ridiculous rate, but they make they generate so much of it that they still adds on a net basis to their total cash position even after giving back so much over the years. Like it's just mind boggling. And that's with them <laughs> continuing to invest in the future as well. You know, you hear about some of the different projects that they may or may not be funding. And some of the initiatives that they might be pushing, uh, it's not like they're sitting on their heels here. Um, they're they're certainly throwing money into seeing where tech might be going. It's just that with this type of money available to them, you know, you, you can only do so much of it with uh, reinvesting in the business and with R and D. So, right. um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the beauty of having a cash cow business like that. It's uh, just insane how much they make. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I was happiest about, and I think maybe this is one of the things that also pushed the stock up as much as it did after the report, was looking forward, management guided that revenue should come in somewhere between $51.5 billion and $53.5 billion for the next quarter. And this would be a 1.7 to 5.7% increase over where they were a year ago. And I think the reason you have to be really psyched about this as an investor is, okay, they're showing growth year over year in Non in, in a quarter that isn't fiscal Q1, where they are typically doing blockbuster sales because the holidays. So it seems like we are not only back to growth this quarter, but going to at least continue moderate growth for the next couple quarters if all things hold. Yeah, another thing that's pretty impressive about the guidance for the this coming quarter, the current quarter, is there that they're they're also leaving some room for some gross margin upside in terms of the guidance. I mean, so last quarter there was 38 and a half and their their the current guidance is 38 to 39. So what's most impressive about that is that most of the time when you're coming off the the big fourth quarter holiday season, you you lose some some operating leverage. So your margins usually come down slightly because of just the seasonality. So for them to be and for for revenue to be coming down from seasonal factors to this 51.5 to 53.5 level, and then still being able to potentially put up a sequential increase in gross margin, like that's pretty strong. And I mean, I think the biggest factor that's contributing to volatility is the is all the currency stuff. But I mean, if they could increase gross margin on a sequential basis after losing leverage, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Um... Just a uh, strong business, kind of firing on all cylinders. Nice to see them back in a growth phase. Uh, anything else that really came out to you uh, in the report, Evan? No, I mean, it was just really broad-based. I mean, they just hit these numbers, like these small little records, but all across the business. And you know, I think it's, as an investor myself, I mean, that's, it's pretty encouraging because you know, there's this perception that Apple's kind of like at the end of the road, they're running out of ideas, they're peaking. And, to, and they're just like, hey, no, we can still squeeze out these gains if we really push and hit on all these sides of the business. And that's working with a you know top-of-the-line smartphone that really isn't all that different than the previous versions, right? I mean, this wasn't a crazy update to form factor, aside from 
maybe getting rid of the um, headphone jack and updating the camera. Like, the phone still resembles what people expect of the iPhone. And so yeah. um, you think about <laughs> what that might mean were they to make some really serious updates in functionality or um, do something radical with future versions of the phone. I, I think you have to like what that would do for the business. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the least impressive update in years, but <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Clearly, 70 billion people <laughs> disagree with you. Um, well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.